Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe, and on today's episode, we're playing another round of You Can Only Keep One. This time, it's Disneyland Paris Edition. Ooh. These are pretty good, but there are a couple I don't like. I feel like that happens with every single one of these. You Can Only Keep One, though, because I don't want to pick. Oh, there's there's a couple of the, the matchups you don't like. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, you, you get you get three options. If you have not heard us do these episodes before, how it works is we get a set of three options, sometimes four, but mostly three options, and we can only pick one of them. The other two go away forever into the oblivion, into the unknown. They go to the vault. They go into the Disney vault to never be seen <laughs> from again. All right, but before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. So Disney officially announced when the end of the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary will be. We talked about this, I think, last week or the week before of how Disney just keeps rolling from one anniversary to another. So, you know, they eventually have to end, but, you know, they're going to have the 100th anniversary coming up. You know, Epcot's 40th anniversary is starting on October 1st. So there's always going to be some sort of celebration. But Disney announced uh, if you're interested in going to the Magic Kingdom, going to Disney World for the 50th, you have until March 31st, 2023. So it it ended up being a pretty long celebration. I mean, it's been like, what, two years? Two year long celebration? Yeah, it's going to be. It's it's very long. Yeah, it's going to be close to uh, probably 18 to 20 months here once it's all said and done, uh, because it started in October of 2021, and we're going until. March of 2023. So you definitely have some more time. I think that allows them to get Tron open during the 50th as part of that. Probably the Moana Journey of Water as well. So they can kind of say, hey, this was all part of the 50th anniversary. But uh, yeah, a few more months left if you're interested in in seeing that. You know what? I'm going to start adopting the Disney way of celebrating. So Joe, my birthday... So your birthday is now 18 months long is uh yeah it's november 21st we'll start celebrating it on november 21st and we'll stop celebrating it on november 20th of the year uh the the day before so you basically have 364 days of celebrating yeah well you know okay so this is you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do it the true disney way i'm gonna do an 18 month birthday my (laughs) my one birthday is just gonna roll past my other one yeah well, I don't know. So I'm going to expect, you know, how when I turned 30, you gave me basically a present every day for the entire month. I expect that a present every day for the entire year. Think you can do it? You can expect whatever you want. Expectation <laughs> versus reality are very different things. So, huh. all right. Sticking with Walt Disney World, some good news for fans of Fantasmic. Disney announced that cast dress rehearsals are occurring for Fantasmic. So hopefully this means that Fantasmic is opening soon. You know, a few months ago, there was some footage of the water all filled up and it looked like they were doing some tests and then they drained all of the water again. And that's been, you know, months. So we've had some false starts here thinking Fantasmic was going to return. But I think this is probably pretty good that it's going to be coming back soon. The fact that Disney is saying that they're they're going through dress rehearsals. My guess is they announce something at D23 next week when this will be reopening. And again, since the 50th is going through March 31st, they can kind of announce it and it can be back as part of the 50th and everything like that. So definitely good news for fans of Fantasmic. I am so excited. I love this show. I can't wait for it to come back. The end. All right. <laughs> And then a final interesting piece of news, this kind of hits some of like the major news networks and things. And this is that Disney 
is contemplating creating their own Amazon Prime service. And they're actually saying that internally, they're referring to it as Disney Prime. So similar to Amazon Prime, where you pay a yearly subscription fee and you get you know added benefits. So Prime members get free two-day shipping. They get access to Amazon Prime Video. They get access to Amazon Music. You get a bunch of benefits for your Prime membership, which you know, is around like, I think $130 now a year. The The word on the street is that Disney is working on something similar to this, where they will charge you some sort of annual subscription fee, and there'll be added benefits. And essentially, what they're saying is that it's to entice people to spend more. And, and Amazon has found this, that Prime members spend a ton more money in terms of purchases online than non-Prime members. So I think Disney's trying to follow this model. And some of the things being talked about are exclusive benefits in the park, trying to get you into the park more, exclusive merchandise. They are talking about potentially tying to the Mandalorian that these subscribers and members would be have access to an exclusive Darksaber. So again, the only way you could get this merchandise if you're a subscriber. The other thing that's being mentioned is that they are going to put... QR codes on Disney Plus shows. So when you're watching your favorite Disney Plus show like The Mandalorian or like something from Marvel, there's going to be a QR code that you can scan that will take you directly to Shop Disney so that you can buy merchandise that ties into the show. Now, it sounds like this is something that Disney is going to be rolling out here this fall, whether it's part of this you know, Disney Prime service or not, or it's just a way to drum up merchandise sales. It seems like this integration is moving forward, but then on top of that, there may be added exclusive offers if you are one of uh, you know this subscription uh, service member. I think this sounds confusing. Um, I'm assuming that maybe you can make you can purchase things from Shop Disney and they'll give you free shipping, but. I don't love the idea of QR codes while I am watching a show because I don't want anything else on my screen. And to be honest with you, I mean, you know, little confession, I shop enough. I do not need something else encouraging me to buy more merchandise while I'm watching a show and reminding me that I'm currently not purchasing something. So I I really don't want that integration. It's something that I think it's cool. And there are times where like, you know, if I'm watching a show and I love somebody's outfit, I'm like, man, I wish I knew where to get that. I mean, this would be kind of nice for that, but I could see this just becoming a huge nuisance. I mean, I I think this this QR code on the shows, it sounds like this is coming no matter what, because Disney wants to start cross-selling more. So when they, you know, they have a captive audience watching the Disney Plus shows, they want to, you know, try to push merchandise to build these synergies in the same way that, you know, Disney movies helps push the theme park and things like that. So I think that is coming. I'm with you. It depends how intrusive it is. If it's something like in the credits, that's a little pop-up that, you know, is not really interfering with the show. I don't think it's that big a deal, but if, if there's always something in this corner, you know, as you're watching, that could get annoying. I think that it could be integrated, right? It's cool, but I, I like it as an interactive feature. Um, I have, we have an iFit membership and when they have live races on iFit or live, um, or even like just live workouts, there's a QR code that will pop up on the screen and you can actually ask the trainers questions and sometimes they'll read your question. And that is really fun. And it adds another level of, you know, enjoyment to it because then when you're working out, you're like, are they going to ask my question? Am I, are they not? And that's a lot of fun. And it's fun when they ask your question too. I've had that happen a few times. So that's cool. But I don't know, like as shopping for shopping, I, I, I mean, I could see why they want to do it, but 
I think that they're going to get a reputation as a money hungry company that it seems like it's starting to get that way. Well, I think the bigger thing is this Disney Prime service that they're talking about because I, I really think if they do roll something like that out, that there is going to be a lot of negative pushback on that because where is the value in paying an additional $100 a year or something? I understand if you're saying, okay, if, if you're this member, you're going to have exclusive perks, like you can maybe get exclusive merchandise or you know there's some sort of incentive or perks to go into the park. But when you have D23 memberships, that you know give you some exclusive yeah. access to things. You already have annual pass holders at Disney yeah. World and Disneyland who aren't necessarily happy because they can't buy annual passes right now or people who bought annual passes now have so many blackout dates they can't really get into the parks. Yeah. You know, you have all of these And DVC too. Yeah, you have you have DVC where you get access to special DVC lounges things like that. So you already have all of these different levels. Levels of hey, give us a, a membership fee, essentially, and we'll give you some sort of added perk or benefit. And they're even doing that with Disney Plus, with Disney Plus Day. So you know, if you have a Disney Plus membership, you can get 25% off on hotels at Disney World, on Disney Plus Day. You know, They have special giveaways and things in the parks and that sort of thing. So you know, to then say, okay, we're going to do something completely different that is this whole other subscription service, it doesn't really make sense unless they somehow combine it all. And for $100 a year, let's say, you get your subscription to Disney+. Plus. In the same way that you know Amazon Prime members just get Prime Video for free. You know, if you get Disney Plus for free and maybe you get a discount to a theme park and you get access to exclusive merchandise, I think that makes more sense. But having all these different things makes it kind of hard to now throw another one in the mix. Yeah. Or like if they give you, you know, certain like perks, like certain, a certain number of lightning lanes when you go. So they roll genie plus into it as well. Maybe that would be worthwhile, but I mean, I have to imagine they're going to do something like this. Cause otherwise it's just going to look bad and seem silly. And I don't think they're going to sell a lot. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think my, my point of it too, because even with like the lightning lanes, I think if you do that, then all the people with annual passes are going to say, well, why don't we get, yeah, you know, a lightning lane every day included with our annual pass or something, or, you know, we get 10 lightning lanes a year. So I think what they're going to have to do if they really want to do this, they're almost going to have to look at what is everything we have that is some sort of subscription, some sort of added benefit and almost start from scratch because you can't have... You need to restructure it. Yeah, because you can't have annual pass holders and then say, okay, you're an annual pass holder and you get these benefits, but we're going to give these other people who pay a, an annual subscription, like like you said, like a lightning lane benefit or some benefit in the parks that annual pass holders don't have. So now buying an annual pass isn't good enough. You need an annual pass and an additional subscription to get all these benefits. Like they're almost, it, it's too complicated. Amazon can do this because they have one subscription it makes sense. It covers everything. When you're Disney and you have all these different things, it's it's almost like the, each part of the company is just kind of coming up with their own thing and nobody's yeah. really talking to each other. I mean, that's kind of what it seems like from an outside observation of, you know, somebody else said, hey, we can get more money if we charge a subscription for people for special perks on shopping and nobody's talking to all of the other kind of sides of the company where they're already doing something similar. It is interesting because I do feel like in the working world, there's a lot of issues with this in general. It's just the different branches or different levels, even in management, you know, some of that information doesn't seem to like cross and trickle over. And kind of like you're saying, where 
they don't seem to know what the other people are doing or they don't really talk about and figure out how they can mesh it together. It just seems kind of, you know, throw some paint at the wall, see what sticks. And you kind of want like a unified front because otherwise you're grappling. Right now, I know a lot of people, even people that are Disney people like us, we're starting to say things like, you need a PhD to figure out how to go to Disney anymore or figure out how to work certain memberships or things because it's just so complicated. I agree. And I think that's where a lot of the criticism Mm -hmm. people are coming from now. You know, a lot of it's, hey, Disney's trying to nickel and dime you. They're trying to get all the money out of you, which I think that is a side effect of this not focused goal. And I think the fact that, yeah, the company seems to be kind of scattered in each division's kind of making their own decisions and they seem somewhat independent and they don't have kind of a unified goal and path. I think that is what is causing all this where it seems like everywhere you turn, it's complicated and it costs more money because each department is making kind of their own decisions independently. So this one's charging you for this, this one's charging you for that. So everywhere you go, it kind of adds up as opposed to having this unified thing. So I think this just kind of adds to it. And I think, again, a lot of people are going to point to this and say, hey, something's not working right. Something's being run incorrectly. Not saying that that's the case, but when you look at decisions like this, it does kind of appear that way. And it appears like there's some sort of messaging from up above. Hey, how can we get more money? out of, you know, like pressure from above saying, how can we get more money from people? We need to make more money because why else would all of these services be cropping up if that wasn't the messaging coming from above? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens ultimately, but a a lot of outlets were reporting on this. So it definitely seems like something's there. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen, but it, it, it does sound like it's something that Disney's seriously considering. Something's there that wasn't there before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And and before we get into the main topic real quick, last week we had a question from Abby M talking about what to pack when you go to the parks, wanting to pack light, not wanting to pack too much. I, as I was editing the show, I thought of this. So I forgot to mention it last week. I just wanted to follow up. I also want to mention that you can also purchase a locker to store your bag. So if you do not want to carry a bag around, if you don't want to carry all of your stuff around, all of the theme parks have a locker. They start at $10 for a small, and they go up to $15 for a jumbo size locker. That is per day. And the nice thing is if you park hop, you don't have to pay for a locker for each park. So if you buy a locker, let's say you start at the Magic Kingdom, and then you go to Epcot, all you need to do is show them your receipt when you get there, and they'll give you a locker at Epcot. So it's one price the whole day. You can you know use lockers at different parks. So that is a way as well if you don't want to carry your stuff around all day to use a locker. I don't think it's something that a lot of people know about because the lockers aren't necessarily very predominant. But yeah, I don't think I knew about this. Yeah, but it is it is in there. And I thought about it as I was editing it. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned it just in case anybody was interested. If you do have a lot of stuff, definitely take advantage of those lockers because that's a nice option. Just be sure you don't forget to take your things out of your locker before you leave the park because that would be something I would do. Yeah, and, and most of the lockers are all situated at the front of the park. So usually they're kind of right at the front entrance. Uh, They're right there. If you're looking for them, it's pretty easy to see. I think even on the My Disney Experience app, you can look for them and it'll show you the locations. But just wanted to throw that out there as well. So, all right, let's jump into our main topic this week. So it's You Can Only Keep One, Disneyland Paris edition. If you've not heard our Disneyland Paris recap, go listen to that. That came out last week. The weeks are blending together. Last week or the week before, I don't remember. Um, but it was recent, so go check that out. We also have our recap from our adventures by Disney trip to Portugal. So uh, a lot of fun, 
lot of fun related to Disney uh, out in Europe the past couple of weeks. So be sure to check those episodes out. The trip recap was episode 217. So not last week, but the week before. As we mentioned, you can, we get three options here and you can only keep one of them. So we're going to start with some of the major attractions over at Disneyland Paris. So it's Space Mountain, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, or Crush's Coaster. Which one are you keeping? So if I can only keep one of those, it would... I mean, two of them, I think, are very, very similar rides. So Remy is great, but we have that in the U.S. So I think now, you know, since there's more than one copy of it, we don't need to keep that one. No, I'm going to say here, I'm going to make this harder then, because Remy is a copy of the one in Paris, so the one at Epcot. So I'm going to say if the one in Paris doesn't exist, we don't have it in Epcot either. So okay. you're getting rid of Remy completely if you don't pick Remy in this. I'm going to make it more difficult. Okay, well... I don't know if that changes your answer at all, but... Uh, I mean, that makes it more complicated, but I still stand by, you know, when we first rode Remy, our big criticism of it, and I still stand by this, is I think it uses too many screens. I think that they needed to make better show pieces. I mean, I love some of the dimensionality that there is, and, you know, going through the pantry is amazing. If they would have done more of that and less screens or, you know, like in the frozen ever after where they have the characters that are animatronics and their faces move. I want something like that in Remy. And so it kind of just seems like a a ride that needs an update, but it's a newer ride. So I think they could have done better with it. And because of that, I, I still think that maybe I would get rid of it. Space mountain is a great ride. It's different than the one in the U S Having said that, it is more like a roller coaster, and I like a wild mouse kind of better. I like ours. I liked ours better. Crush's coaster, though, is unique. It is nowhere else. I thought it was a cool ride mechanic. The this the car kind of turned around. I would like to ride that one again, so that would be the one I would keep. How about you? Okay, so I, I'm I'm with you. You know, Space Mountain was a lot of fun. It's very different than the Space Mountain we have here in the U.S., but I I don't think. It was that great that we necessarily need to keep it. It's pretty intense, so it's you know not necessarily for the whole family, which I think you know kind of limits its appeal. So if you're keeping something, I don't want to necessarily keep something that's going to be limiting to the audience that can ride it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm getting I'm borderline too old to be able to ride that ride. That it's all in the dark. I mean, it, it's cool themed on the outside, but the inside of the attraction, I, I mean, it goes by so fast. It's not like it's super well themed, so. There's not really anything super Disney about it compared to the other two. I really like Remy. I think it's a really good attraction. Crush's Coaster was a lot of fun. I know a lot of people really like that one. I think, to your point, you probably need to ride it again because I wasn't blown away by it when we rode it. I mean, I thought it was good, but I don't necessarily think it was this insane uh, ride is as hyped as I think people get about it. And I also think people are probably so hyped about it because there's not much else in that studio parks. Uh, <laughs> and there's not much Nemo and that's a big movie for them. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's not much going on in the studios park over there. So, you know, Crush's Coaster is a lot of fun. So I, I'm kind of between Remy and Crush's Coaster. The only reason I'm going to keep Crush's Coaster, even though I said I, I didn't necessarily love it. I, I actually like Remy better than Crush's Coaster, but Disney does not have a lot of roller coasters and higher thrill. And so Crush's Coaster is a roller coaster. It's a little bit more thrilling, but it's still like a family-friendly 
thrill. I mean, it's not like so intense that you couldn't take a kid on it. Like Space Mountain's very intense. And I'm with you. Remy, it, it relies heavily on screens. And Disney has a lot of those dark ride attractions already. So I think if you lost Remy, there's a lot of other attractions like that that kind of are still there. Whereas Crush's Coaster is something that Disney doesn't necessarily have a lot of roller coasters like that or a little bit higher thrill. So for that reason, just slightly edging out Remy, I'm going to keep Crush's Coaster. Yeah. With Remy too, you know, the other thing about it is you are being chased. And I feel like in that that ride, you can move a little faster if you're being chased. Most rides that I ride in Disney parks, I don't I don't get off and be like, oh, they could have made it so much better if they would have done this. And Remy, I feel like they ran out of money or something that they couldn't quite get it to the full potential that it could have been at. I almost feel like Remy just, they, I don't know if they didn't have enough space or the way they utilize the space. Because I think the problem with Remy is when you compare it to the other trackless rides, it, it, it lacks. And, you know, we wrote it after we have been on Rise of the Resistance, which is the best utilization of the trackless ride ever the paris version came out before that so you know when that came out that was pretty pinnacle but i will say you have Pooh's honey hunt as well i was well. just gonna say what's older that or Pooh's honey Pooh's hunt? honey hunt's older but again so we and that's in japan yeah so we rode Pooh's honey hunt and rise of the resistance which Hashtag are humble bread. which are the two <laughs> best uses of mm-hmm. trackless ride technology before we rode remy so i think that's why remy seems like a bit of a letdown but if Remy is your first introduction to trackless ride vehicles, which in Paris, that's like really the only use of it there. Mm. It is a really cool ride system. And I think it would do a lot. And I think it presents itself a lot better. So I think that's kind of why we knock Remy a little bit just compared to some of the other ones. The other thing that was interesting about that ride is that it is exactly the same rides. The part, the part that is in English is in English in Paris. The parts that are in French are in French in Paris. So it is literally a copy and paste of the same exact ride. Yeah, 100%. All right, th- this next one's going to be tough. So uh, we have all of the different shows. So you have Rhythm of the Pride Lands, which is the Lion King show, Mickey and the Magician, uh, and then the Frozen stage show. Nope. Your turn. No. <laughs> You got to pick, you have to pick one. All right, I'll, I'll go first. So what, which one of these am I keeping? So I can only keep one of them. I think Frozen definitely can go. It's a cool show, but there's only like 150, 200 people that can go into it. So it's very hard to get into. It's neat, but it's just kind of rehashing Frozen. Mickey and the Magician and Rhythm of the Pride Lance are both like full theater shows, both extremely well done. I think the Rhythm of the Pride Land show is the better show. And even though it's a retelling of The Lion King, The Lion King's super good. I mean, yes, like, <laughs> The Lion King is so good. Choice movie. You know, there's a reason why it's been very successful on Broadway. And this is kind of like a mini version of the Broadway show. Mickey and the Magician's a lot of fun. It utilizes Mickey, which is something that, you know, doesn't necessarily happen. Like, Mickey's usually there as a character, but he's not always integrated in these shows. So it was fun to see Mickey. It's a nice mix of other Disney properties. So you have Frozen as a part of that. You have Lion King as a part of that. Genie, some of the other ones. I think overall, though, I'm keeping Rhythm of the Pride Lands because I think it's just it's a much better show. And if I'm going to watch, if if I'm thinking about which one could I watch multiple times, 
I think I would enjoy watching Rhythm of the Pride Lands multiple times. I don't think that would get boring. Just the the quality of the singers and just the choreography and everything. I don't think that would get as old as quickly as watching Mickey and the Magician. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. It is a very choice show. But Mickey the Magician is also a very choice show. We ready to move on? You got to pick one. Darn it. You I was pick hoping one. you would forget. I was really trying to just breeze by it. I, I should have not said anything. All right. So if I had to pick, I'm actually going to go the opposite of you because, because the, the Rhythm of the Pride Lands is by far my favorite. But I also try so hard to always, you know, not be super biased and always put Lion King on top. I do think that it is the superior show. But then when I look at it, I think, is there another outlet where people can get something that's very similar to this? And as you mentioned, it is very similar to the Broadway show where you have them belting out the classics and, you know, the singers are, are very, very good quality, but they're also very good quality on, on Broadway. There is some extra like almost Cirque du Soleil kind of elements to it that is in addition to the Broadway um, version. The costuming is similar to the Broadway version. The Broadway version is a little better, but there's something that's kind of comparable. Mickey and the Magician is completely new. It's completely unique. And for somebody that maybe isn't as into The Lion King and likes all the other movies, I mean, they do a great job of representing basically some like some of the most famous big numbers in Disney music history. And so you get, you know, stuff from Beauty and the Beast, as you were mentioning, Aladdin, The Lion King. So you get representation of all these different movies. And so because of that, I think that it is maybe the better show. And I just like to see Mickey in a role where he's not perfect. So he's kind of messing everything up in this role. And so it's kind of funny. Um, so yeah, I think that this is the one that I would keep, but Rhythm of the Pride Lands is really good. Simba's crying. I, I know. I know he's, he is. He can't believe that you didn't pick him. But all right, moving on. You know I love you, Simba. You my boy. All right, next set. This one's tough too. These are all... All tough. All right. The the drone show that they have on the castle, the 30th anniversary statues that they have, or the dream bigger, brighter parade show. So these are all new for the 30th anniversary, new kind of additions. Which one are you keeping? So in my notes here, I have, I don't know, uh, <laughs> because I do feel like they're apples and oranges. I mean, you have the drone show, which is the nighttime show that goes up before the fireworks and the usage of the drones is just so unique and different. It's phenomenal. Yes, it, it is phenomenal. When you think of Disney, you think of things like that, of yeah. new technology uses for new technology that you would not expect. It really is something that kind of takes your breath away and makes you pause and just like go, wow, what am I seeing? This is something so different that, you know, I can imagine like when Disney came out with the monorail or, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, they built Cinderella castle and, and just like whenever you see these things for the first time, you know, now we're used to them, but like the people that originally saw that when, when nothing existed or when they made Abraham Lincoln come to life, as yeah. an audio animatronic, I mean, I'm sure people were just blown away by it. And, and that's when you think of the Disney magic, you think of things like this. Yeah, th this drone show is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it, well, the number of the sheer number of drones in it as, as well. I think I thought there was going to be like 10 drones. It's oh, not. Yeah, there's a, there's hundreds. Uh, yeah, there there's a lot of drones in there. And, and it just, it's really impressive to see. 
the 30th statues, though, they're so Paris. I mean, there's like no way else for me to describe them, but they're just, they're so Paris. Like they, they're awesome. They're an art installation. They move. There's movement to the statues. Like not only do the statues look like they're moving without actually moving, they also do move and spin. And and that makes them super entertaining and interesting. And you spend a lot of time. We spend a good bit of time walking around and looking at each of the statues. And then the Dream Bigger Parade Show is also really impressive in that there's a parade and at the end it culminates in the middle um, kind of in front of the castle with a big dance party so that's something that is also very kind of unique and different and fun and energetic and it puts a really cool energy in the place and so I think because of that I think that due to the energy and the magic that's sort of generated by that parade that is probably the one that I would pick. No slight to the other two because they're just completely different. But those nighttime shows stress me out because it's hard to get a good spot. It's nice that they're up in the in the sky and easy to see. And then the 30th statues don't really do anything, but you can go see them at your leisure. Yeah, so as much as I talked about how incredible the drone show is, I think I'm going to agree with you and pick the parade because that parade, as incredible as the drone show is, that is just as incredible as a parade. I mean, that is one of the best parades I've seen Disney put on. And the fact that it is a parade plus a stage show in front of the castle, they built stages in the hub where they have the characters uh, dancing after the fact. So you can see them come down main street and then you can kind of stay in the hub and enjoy the rest of it. The characters rotate through the different stages. So it's a very long show. I mean, we were watching it and just were like, Oh, they're doing another song. They're, they're doing another song. We thought it was over, and they kept doing more songs. And like you said, the energy that that parade brings to the parks, it, it really picks up your mood, and it, it kind of it's earlier in the day. We, you know, we saw it early in the day, so it kind of like lifts your spirits and gives yeah. you good energy through the whole day. And it draws such an, a crowd to the hub, and it really is electric. The drone show is great at night. Everybody's there ready for the fireworks. I mean, it's magical as well, but I feel like it doesn't have the same electricity as this high, high energy parade and stage show. So I'm going to go with the uh, the parade as well. And you have to appreciate all the cast members and costume because it was like 90 plus and they're dancing around and I was they're out there a sweating while. bullets in the shade. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, they were out there a while for sure. All right, so we're doing which version of Big Thunder Mountain would you want to keep? So this isn't strictly Disneyland Paris, but out of the three versions, Walt Disney World version, Disneyland version, or the Disneyland Paris, which version of Big Thunder Mountain are you keeping? I'll let you go first on this one. I'm going to keep Disneyland Paris. I think that's the best version. You know, it it is very similar to the Disneyland version where it has the projection mapping uh, and kind of the the higher quality effects on that final lift hill and maybe this is just like my memory and and it's this isn't true but i feel like it was a longer ride than the other ones and the the final hill the descent it felt like we went underground because it felt like we went farther down than we went up so we're going down the final hill it's it's kind of in darkness and i'm thinking okay we we got to reach the end here and we just kept going it was so exciting because it was unexpected how far down we were going and i i don't think again it maybe it's just my memory failing me i don't think disneyland's does that 
And you know, Walt Disney World doesn't have kind of that that final hill like that. So for me, I think Disneyland Paris does it the best. They have all of the great effects and things that Disneyland does, but then that final descent, it just catches you by surprise and is an added thrill. Uh, so I think that's why I'm going to stick with that version. I'm going to be completely honest here. I am drawing a complete and total utter blank on the Disneyland Paris version because the whole time I was riding that, I think I was so massively uncomfortable from the day and just being tired that I don't remember it at all. So that one's blocked out of my mind. I'll take your word for it. But I think the Disneyland version, I think I remember going to Disneyland the last time we went and thinking, wow, you know, the projection mapping and things, it's a step up from the Walt Disney World version. And I liked it better, added more intrigue. So I would say the Disneyland version. No, I I definitely think Disneyland is superior to Disney World because, again, they, they plus it a little bit more. And, you know, Disneyland Paris is, I feel like, modeled after Disneyland. But it just, it felt like it had an added kick to me, so I'm going to go with Disneyland Paris. I'll probably go to Disneyland and ride that one and be like, this was so great. This is the best version of it. I, it's it's usually just like the last one the I ride. The last one you ride is the best yeah. one. Yeah, but I can pretty confidently say I like Disneyland or Disneyland Paris over Disney World. So I think it's between those two for me. So I don't think I'm going to go to Disney World and be like, this was better than Paris's, but I maybe go to Disneyland and think that. So all right. So the next one we have is a pair. So it is Marvel themed. So are you keeping Avengers Campus or the Art of Marvel Hotel? I was a bit, and I, I think we talked about this on our recap. I was disappointed in their Avengers Campus because it wasn't to the full scale that the California version is, the Disneyland version is. You know, we were missing some really vital components like the Spider-Man show with the swinging animatronic. There was a giant chasm for me between the quality of the Disneyland version and the Disneyland Paris version. So I don't think that I would keep that one. I would, however, keep the Marvel Hotel because I did really think they did a nice job with it. I mean, they took an already existing hotel and converted it, which a lot of times, you know, you can tell when they do that, but it worked really, really well. And I loved the giant statues of the characters. I loved all of the artwork that was around. I liked the drawing that you could do. They did a nice job in the rooms and putting some artwork up. I, I just thought it was really cool so out of the two i would keep that what about you yeah i'm agreeing with you i i think the art of marvel hotel is the one you keep it's the only marvel hotel out there everything you said is correct they did a great job with the theme of it the artwork is incredible in it it's worth just walking around and going to see all the different artwork in it i mean the hotel's worth it just for that some of the exclusive merch they have there uh i I definitely think that's all worth keeping because that's the only place you can see something like that. You're correct. The Disneyland Paris version of Avengers Campus is definitely a step down from the one they have over at Disney California Adventure at Disneyland. That's definitely the better version of Avengers Campus. I think overall, I think Disney is kind of doing a disservice to Avengers and the theme parks. I think they're making these lands so similar that they're not really adding a lot of you know, special, you know, magic to them. I mean, the fact that they they basically rethemed a ride with the Avengers Flight Force, which is okay, and they put the, you know, Spider-Man Web Slingers attraction in there. It kind of feels like, you know, in Paris, they were like, we need something in the studios park. Let's throw the Avengers in here, mm-hmm. you know, to get people to come. And they really didn't put 
a lot of thought into it or really do anything to make it special. So I really do think that you could lose the Avengers campus in Disneyland Paris and you're not really losing much. Yeah. Which which is sad because again, I mean that's a new land. You should be really excited about stuff like that. But yeah, I think overall, I don't think that the the path they're taking with these campuses of I was going to make them New York. I don't think it's working because it's it's too it's too close to like the real world that there's there's no magic to it. Like when you walk into Pandora, it's yeah. a different planet. You know, even Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge is very muted in terms of the color palette, but it at least feels like someplace that's not on Earth. You know, yeah. I think they would have been much better for these Avengers campuses if they would have built, you know, one of them themed around Wakanda as an area. One of them oh themed my gosh, around Wakanda would be amazing. One of them themed around Asgard. One of them themed, you know, around you know something, you know, in space. Like you, you, you have such incredible imagineers visuals no you have huh. such incredible visuals in the mcu yeah that you know why pick just a regular city like you pick the most boring setting location, yeah, yeah setting and location for for this stuff when you go there there's not really much visually to look at whereas i'm not saying yeah you have to make the whole land asgard but have an asgard section have i want to cross the rainbow bridge wait that sounds like i want to die yeah <laughs> but the, the, bi- the bifrost the bifrost yeah the you bifrost. want to go the bifrost you know i mean have it i mean build new asgard i mean they basically made new asgard like a theme park in the movie have a yeah. section of new asgard you know, have a wakanda outpost like i think they could have they could have used much better locations for this that i, I really do think they're they were kind of like we need a marvel in the theme parks and they really didn't fully think it through. So I think that they're too concerned about cutting and pasting and using what they have and instead of redesigning, but that is also, you know, they have the resources, put the resources into it. You have Imagineers that would probably love to work on building Wakanda. So, and, and Asgard or new Asgard. So use it because your job is to try to draw people in. Um, and also, you know, you want that, quality and this is again you know kind of getting back into is disney losing some of the quality and you know when it comes to something like this you might have to say yeah kind of yeah well i think they get too caught up in having it all connect so you know galaxy's edge they're exact same they're carbon copies in disney world and in disneyland so you know they don't have to worry about how do these both exist because they're essentially carbon copies they're just kind of considered the same land with Avengers campuses. So there's, there's three of them, you know, they didn't build them as carbon copies. So they now have to have some way of why do all of these exist in different locations around the world? And so the idea is they're all recruitment centers. So they're all places where Avengers are, are recruiting new recruits. And so it now becomes, these are outposts on earth in these different places. And so when you have that, it now becomes more difficult. So you can't really have some of these exotic locales. Whereas if you kind of got rid of that conceit and didn't see it as an uh, Avengers recruiting center and you just made it, you know, these Marvel themed and again, somehow connected it of, okay, you're connected by the Bifrost and you're traveling, you know, through all of these places or, you know, we have the multiverse now and these are different, you know, multiversal universes or something like if you use something like that, I think it frees you up to throw 
much different things in each of these lands versus, hey, they all got to be pretty similar because it's basically just the Avengers recruiting people. Yeah, like in, in writing terms, they basically wrote themselves into a corner. Exactly. All right, so way detoured around Avengers campuses there. All right, so let's get back on track. So this is our, our final one. So this is, uh, which one are you going to keep? So this is around merchandise. So you're keeping the pins, which Disneyland Paris has incredible pins. The Lion King merch, which they have a ton of Lion King merch, or the 30th anniversary Disneyland Paris merch, which is great. So these are all, it's all great merch. It's all stuff you can really only get at Disneyland Paris. So which one of these are you keeping? Well, judging by our credit card bills, I kept them all. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you, you bought some of everything. That's 100% correct. But hey, how many times are you going to be in Paris? You gotta buy as Hopefully much. Hopefully, more than once. I liked Paris. You gotta buy as much as you can because you exactly. don't know when you're gonna be back. Exactly. I mean, we we had to stop because we didn't have enough room in the suitcase. I'm, I'm kind of mad too because they had Lion King hats, which I still swear they had in Walt Disney World. But I tried to buy one online because I could use it for a, a costume for our one of our races that we're gonna be doing, and I can't find them now. So the lion the Lion King eBay. hat, eBay, yeah, will have, will I have. Them. Well, they're expensive on eBay, man. But um, but I was thinking, man, I should have bought one when I was in Paris. But if I had to choose, like I had to give up everything that I got in one of those categories, uh, I would probably say that I always we always joke that we don't quite know what to do with our pins. But with that aside, we just need to make a pin board is really what we need to do. But taking that, putting that aside, their pins were next level. They have so many great pins that. They have completely revamped the pin system because Joe, Joe and I, when we go and maybe it's just because it was a different place, but every time we go to Walt Disney World, it's like, I've been there, seen that. Like they don't really seem like they cycle out their pins very much. They seem like they're very much the same. A lot of times the limited edition pins aren't as exciting. I wanted seven or eight pins. I think we ended up buying like what, five or six pins. I mean, we bought a ton of pins, which is way more than we way more than we typically buy but we just got some really choice phantom manor pins even though that ride wasn't like the best but they had great pins i got one of the stitch with the top hat on in front of the singing heads they have just really incredible cool pins so i think that's what i would say i gotta say this uh week's episode is sponsored by the word choice (laughs) you've said it quite a lot this week (laughs) if any of our listeners tell me I, i'm i'm not going to count but if any of our listeners count how many times you say the word choice this week let us know the first one to let us know on facebook send us a message in chance ears on facebook i'll give them a 25 dollar disney gift card the first <laughs> the first one to tell me how many you're times, welcome the first i did one that on purpose how many times you say choice because i just realized you've said it a lot this week but i uh, oh, no, now but whenever you're editing you should go through and count and see what the correct number is so people don't just make something up true all right yeah, out of these three, I, I'm with you. The pins, they seem to utilize the characters a lot more. So the characters integrated with the attractions. So they have a lot of Phantom Manor. So we, we got a Chippendale with Madame Leota and Phantom Manor. They have uh, Goofy as in Phantom Manor. They have, I think, Chippendale and Big Thunder Mountain. So they basically, they're, they're taking a lot of the Disney characters, taking a lot of the attractions and kind of blending them together. You don't see that at the other theme parks you're right i mean walt disney world seems to have the same pins every time you go these were very different uh these were very unique they also have a lot of you know phantom manners not in any other park so you know it's it's something that they have there that's very specific 
they're also very big. I mean, they have a lot of really big pins there. So I, I'm with you. I think they have a lot of great pins. You know, I think the 30th merch, I think can go. It's great merch, but it's always going to be temporary anyway. So it's not like if you get rid of it, you're you're missing much because it's not you know going to be something you have in perpetuity going forward. So I think it's tough between pins and the line. You sound like King Kevin merch. O'Leary. In, yeah. perpetuity, in, perpetuity. in perpetuity going forward. So, so I think I'm between the pins and the Lion King merch. I'm going to go with you and agree and go with the pins. I think you made a great case. And so you kind of pushed me over the edge to go towards pins. As much as they had incredible Lion King merch, and they really don't have a lot of Lion King merch at some of the other parks, they do have some Lion King merch. So I think, you know, even if you didn't have any Lion King merch at Disneyland Paris. You're still going to have Lion King stuff at some of the other parks, but these pins are unique and are pins that we have not seen at the other theme parks. And they do seem to, to do their pins very well and seem to be on another level. So I'm going to keep the pins, um, but I could see people pick picking the merch. If you're not big in pins, you're not going to care, but we both like pins. We both like pin trading. And also we traded for a Chubby pin. So you can't, you can't beat exactly. that. They had they had a chibi pin over there, so you got to keep the pins at Disneyland Paris. All right, so that wraps up our show this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye bye. My sincerest apology to Simba because I know that I have probably disappointed you, but I will make it up to you in a future week. Bye-bye.